We are recording. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Double Down, a WNBA podcast. As always, I'm Eric Nemchuk alongside Stephen Trinkwald. And Stephen, happy halfway point. We're a little over halfway this season, and we figured we would uh, throw some different content out there by putting together some hypothetical All-Star teams. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like we won't be getting, you know, official all-star teams, but it's still fun to go through the exercise and talk about, you know, a, a good way to talk about who's been good and, and would be deserving of this spot so far. Yeah, so before we kind of dive into it, uh, we had a couple rules for ourselves. Conditions obviously pretty arbitrary, but we figured we'd, we'd do the basic starter reserve format, 12-player rosters for each conference, and then um, and, and kind of adjusting for injuries because, you know, it's it's been a condensed season, and I, I feel like a lot of players who would have made the all-star team or the hypothetical all-star team haven't played enough games. So we'll go over that later, but Steven, uh, which uh, conference do you want to start with here? Let's start with, out with the East. Um, and I kind of broke down how I was doing this sort of by, by tiers and starting out with the, the Eastern conference, I had three players who were pretty much no doubters, uh, like no brainers. Didn't really have to kind of look up anything uh, statistically to, to make sure that they belonged here. And those three players were Courtney Vandersloot, Dewana Bonner, and Kelsey Mitchell. Okay, interesting. I mean, I had those three players too, but I figured there would have been more locks than just three. Uh, yeah, I, I think the other, I guess like the three players in my next tier were pretty easy decisions, but I kind of wanted to like just make sure that they had the statistical case I thought they did before kind of penciling them in, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, sure. Um, I, for for the record, I had seven locks, but... Maybe I was, I was a little too generous there. It's, it's tough in the East. Like you texted me, folks, Steven texted me. He was saying, I'm not sure if the East deserves all 12 spots. And I was like, eh, but then I went through the exercise. And I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe he's right. But uh, we'll give the ones who deserve it some props, of course. Um, my starters, I had uh, Courtney Vandersloot, Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, Maisha Hines-Allen, the Mystics, and Benajah Laney, who I think is the clear front runner for most approved player right now. Um, if not, she's second. Would, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely for most improved player. I, I did not have her in kind of my next tier of players in terms of like the locks. You know, she, she's been really good. Uh, and, and I'll kind of get to my case for her a little bit later. Um, but should we talk about some of these? I mean, let, let's start with Courtney Vandersloot. Did you have anything to say about her? I mean, obviously she's putting together like an, an MVP caliber <laughs> campaign and you are one to cite her specifically, uh, even with the small sample size like the on-off differential, I think it's pretty much towards the top of the league at this point. It's ridiculous, that on-off differential. And it kind of says, like, the backup point guard play, play for this guy has not been great, but she's just been amazing. Um, best point guard in the league, I, I don't think people are arguing that anymore. Uh, but, like, it, it's just she, she seems to just keep getting better. And her value to the team is immense. This guy are fueling a very, very successful offense, and she is the head of the snake. She's what makes them go. Um, and she's she's done a little bit more scoring in recent games than we're used to seeing her, uh, you know, take some shots early in uh, early in the offense, kind of that pull up jumper when teams go behind the screen on her, and she's making a pay. So she's just playing amazing, amazing basketball right now. I think if you look at guards, because we did we did two guards, three forwards for the, start, the starters, and um, this was an easy, easy, easy call for me. Yeah. So to round out my uh, my starting lineup, I had Vandersloot. Mitchell in the backcourt, Dewana Bonner at one of the forwards, and then Maisha Hines-Allen and Cheyenne Parker as uh, the other frontcourt spots. 
Okay, so what have you seen? Cheyenne made my reserves. Um, what have you seen from her this season that kind of uh, boosted her into your starting lineup? Well, first, I think it's a little bit of a shallow field uh, in terms of front court players in, in the East. I don't think there was as much competition as there usually is there, obviously. Um, but she's been the sky's second best player. Like Chicago's really the only good team in the Eastern Conference. You know, yeah. they're the only team in the top half of the league. She's had her best season, in my opinion, offensively and defensively. I, I think you would agree with that, but I'm not 100% sure. She has, you know, a career high in, in two-point field goals. She's uh, a career high in three-point field goals as, as well. You know, she does turn it over a ton, but I think she she brings an element of mobility defensively that that they don't have with their normal starting lineup. One thing I kind of wanted to ask you specifically about Cheyenne Parker, you know, as I was going through the numbers, and maybe it's just because the the ball is kind of getting to other places, but I was surprised at how little of a transition threat she is. That's interesting. Um, you know, she's never really... I mean, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me for that. Um, she's not really struck me as a transition threat beforehand either. Maybe it's because she's playing, you know, more minutes or something like that. Sure. Like, I believe her, her rebounding is down, like her rebounding rate is down, but that's, she's still been a pretty good rebounder. Um, I definitely, definitely agree with you. She's had, she's been the best player defensively and having a career year offensively, but transition, that's interesting. Maybe it's because they're posting her up so often. Like the transition numbers are appealing. I don't know. That's a good question. Sure. So my other front court starter, as I mentioned, was Maisha Hines Allen. Obviously, like a, a true breakout season for her. Six oh two true shooting percentage. She's been just a monster inside of the the arc. You know, she is shooting forty two percent from three on, on pretty low volume, but still she's taking them. So it really does make her uh, a threat. You know, doesn't really get to the line as frequently as I would think. At least you know only about a a 200 free throw attempt rate um, with that, that body type and her combination of, of strength and speed. I would thought that she would put the defense in, in more compromised positions to get herself to the line more, more frequently, but yeah, she's been Washington's best player. There's no doubt about it. And they're kind of still in the thick of things here. Yeah, definitely Washington's bright spot. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty rough season for the mystics here, but uh, Maja Heinz Allen, she's been incredible really flashing things that I didn't think she could do. I didn't know she could do. Um, people who've been following her in college and maybe even in high school, I believe she was an All-American, would probably scoff at that. And that's that's fine. That's fair game. You know, she's an amazing, especially her ability to like bring the ball off the court and beat people off the dribble. I figured she'd be more of a, a face-up player than a post-up player. But I mean, she's she's very quickly put together like a complete offensive package, you know? And then that combined with her aggressiveness and her mobility on defense. I mean, she has been... I don't want to say the mystic saving grace because they aren't really saved right now, but she's been incredible. And you had, as I did, I believe you said uh, Kelsey Mitchell as the other backcourt player. I did. Okay. No, 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 wait, no, sorry. Um, oh, you actually, not. I had Benajelani as the starting shooting oh, that's guard, right. okay. but uh, Kelsey is, is on my bench and I heard her as a lock. Okay. So I, I guess my case for, for Kelsey Mitchell, uh, I'll just run through it. You know, 619 true shooting percentage. She's been incredible offensively in the 93rd percentile as an offensive player, in her own offense at least. She has tremendous versatility to her her shooting, obviously. You know, 98th percentile on jump shots off the dribble, 85th percentile on catch and shoot jumpers. So she really is just a dynamic player with or without the ball in her hands. And this fever offense, which uh, has, you know, had, had its ups and downs to be sure, but they absolutely fall off the cliff whenever Kelsey Mitchell is off the court. 
87.3 offensive rating when she's not out there playing. You know, their defensive rating is also a lot better when she's off the court as well. But, you know, she's, she's a guard, right? She, she's not impacting defense as much as um, she is offense. And, you know, her defense is a concern for sure. But, yeah, I, I did have Benajah Laney on my, on my bench, but I, I thought Kelsey Mitchell was, has been better this season. I think she's, she's been more impactful, would you say? I do. Th- I mean, yeah, I, how impactful can you be on, like, a, a three-win team, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although they did, uh, they did beat the Minnesota Lynx today, barely. Or was that their third one? I... That was their third win, yeah. Oh, okay. So right. They had You're lost, on... I think, 10 straight before that. You're on the ball. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Kelsey Mitchell, she's been – she's really taken that third year of point guard step that you kind of expect from people. Although, I believe, like, the numbers probably wouldn't reflect this because I think her turnovers are up and her assists are down. But it seems like she's seeing the floor so much better than she has in the past. Like, she's really slowing down – or the game is slowing down for her. Um She's more comfortable attacking off the balance and kind of choosing the right finish at the basket because she can get to the basket. It's just a matter of her finishes have been kind of wild in the past, you're, you know, like using the wrong hand or whatever. Um, never been a very right-handed player, but I mean, her, her shooting has been incredible. We know she can shoot. It's just every other facet of her offensive game has just seemed so much more calm and more fluid that, uh, yeah, I mean, she's been Indiana's best offensive player and uh, major reason why they're, I don't know, not, not, not in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, and for Laney, you know, of course, she is having a career year. She should be the front runner for most improved player. We are seeing parts of her offensive game that we've never seen before, right? Like she's she's yeah. never really done what she's doing. She's she's getting to the line and shooting more threes, uh, more than we've ever seen from her previously. Her 589 true shooting percentage is well above what she's done prior in her career. She's creating for others in in ways that she has not done prior. To this season, she's been an effective transition player for a team that, you know, last season could have used anything in transition, right? Something we talked about extensively for this team. You know, I would really kind of have to directly compare her to some of the options out West in terms of whether she would be deserving for like an all-league nomination, but she is uh, definitely an easy pick for an all-star slot in like this this more kind of shallow Eastern Conference. I think Laney would have a tough time making a case in the West um, because there are a lot of players who are who play similar roles to her that I think have been better, which we'll get to later. But yeah, in the East, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, the playmaking in particular has really been a surprise to me. I mean, the jump shots, they can come and go, although she has greatly improved on her jump shot, which is fascinating in itself to me. But just her making plays out of pick and rolls and you know in transition and all this stuff, she looks like a totally different player. And it's all for the better. Um, as usual, pretty good on defense, but that offense is just really, really come around. So yeah, most improved player... I think for sure. Would you say that her and Heinz Allen are one and two, or, or would you put Mitchell at two? Kelsey Mitchell, you're saying? Yeah, for most improved. That's a great question. I think it probably is Heinz Allen, but you know, there is a part of me that like tries to not give or like give too much credit for this award towards a player who just has a whole different like opportunity. You know, I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Heinz Allen played so little last year, like. She's not really improving. I mean, she is improving because her statistical resume was still poor in, in the limited opportunities that she got. And Kelsey Mitchell, you know, was a high usage player last year, was on the court all the time and did take a leap. So that's interesting. I think I would have to give it more consideration. I, I hadn't really thought about Kelsey Mitchell from that angle, but that is typically more of the most improved kind of campaign that, that I like to consider. I agree. Just, uh, just wondering. Um, 
I, I think the most improved player should just be called the the highest volume increase player. Yeah. But that's uh, at least based on past award winners. Yeah, we yeah we can we can we can fuss about that after the season. But I, I agree with you. I I don't like how that award is to be voted on. Um, um, so okay. I, I also had as a pretty easy pick, and maybe this is a homer pick, but I also had Alyssa Thomas in this tier with Heinz Allen, Cheyenne, mm-hmm. and Cheyenne Parker. Yeah, she was one of my starters. Um, why wasn't she one of your starters? You know, I just think Heinz Allen and, and Parker have been better. Uh, you know, Alyssa Thomas is not quite having the season from an efficiency standpoint as she has last year. You know, she's still getting in transition a ton, but she has not been very effective in her own offense as a transition player. She's, you know, shooting, she's, I think, in like the 50th percentile as wow. an individual offensive player in transition. You know, I just think these two players have been a little bit more impactful and, you know, for Cheyenne Parker, definitely in a better situation in, in Heinz Allen, you know, with a little bit less to work with. Okay, that's fair. I was actually going to ask you as a Sun fan, who do you thought was better, um, Thomas or Bonner? But I guess that, that kind of answers it. I think maybe as as a player, like in in a vacuum, I think Alyssa Thomas might be better. But I think Dewana Bonner has, she's put, you know, the the offense on her shoulders in a way that's really like not fair for her but she's still delivered. Like she still has, uh, you know, decent individual efficiency, you know, right around or or slightly below average. And she's, you know, she's been their, their go-to player with not a lot around her, to be honest. Especially, especially to start the season, right? Yeah. Especially to start the season. They kind of been getting their depth figured out lately, but um, okay. Follow up then follow up question. Where would the sun have to finish in order for Bonner to be an MVP consideration? I, I don't think she's going to get into MVP consideration, to be honest with you. Like, they would have to, I don't know, like, win all but one of their last remaining games. Like, Stewart, Asia Wilson, Angel McCautry, like, those three players, at least, like, Candace Parker as well, have all had, in my opinion, like, vastly superior seasons to Dewana Bonner mm-hmm. um, at this point. You know, Dewana Bonner has been her her usual awesome self defensively, in my opinion, but she's not really kind of in that conversation for me. Is would you like disagree with that? No, I wouldn't disagree. I'm just curious because uh, I mean the Sun have kind of been getting it together lately, but there have been so there have been a lot of really really good players on a couple of really really good teams, and usually like the best player on the best team gets the most consideration. I mean you could you could you could play around with well who has the least help, but I think Asia Wilson could also have an argument in that uh, if you're factoring that in as well. So I'm just curious what you thought of Bonner's overall play and how impactful it is, you know, relative to yeah. the other candidates. And this, this team is still 10th in offense, right? It's not like they're, they're even yeah. now lighting anybody up and she's their offensive focal point. So, so moving on, where, where did you want to go from here? Cause I had, um, I kind of wanted to talk about the remaining mystics players that I considered. Did you have any other Washington mystics players that you considered seriously for an all-star spot? I did. And one made it, although not very, uh, it was more of a, well, might as well pick this person. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of how the, the end of this roster uh, really was for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was kind of, you know, choosing one spot for, for three players with them, for with Atkins, Misaman, and Powers. And Misaman was probably the one that, surprisingly, I think for people going into the season, like deserved it the least, uh, in my opinion. You know, I, I did not – she was not a serious con- like contender for this spot after really going through it. Ariel Powers, I think – does have a strong case, but, uh, you know, she's already missed half the season and is expected to not play again this year. So, you know, I, I thought she had, you know, a case could be made that she was the best offensively of this group of 
three Mystics players, you know, 596 mm-hmm. true shooting, 95th percentile in her own offense in the half court. She's getting of a quarter, a quarter of her shots came from within 10 feet and she was uh, 13 for 17 within 10 feet and nine for 10 around the rim. So when she was kind of getting dribble penetration and, you know, she was the only player kind of doing it for them, she was very, very effective. Uh, their only player that was getting to the free throw line, 100 percentile in isolation in her limited time on the court. So if I even thought that maybe she would be available to play more, I, I think I would have given her some more uh, serious consideration. But knowing that she's going to finish the season playing so few games, I kind of had to rule her out as well. Yeah, that's and that that's kind of where I was at too. I think if she was you know, healthy and she only missed maybe a couple games thus far, then I think it'd be the clear choice because she just brings that element of dribble penetration and, and physical play and, and just able to get into the, get into the paint and get to the free throw line that the mystics have really been sorely missing ever since she got injured. Right. You, you figure that like they weren't going to be shooting as well on jump shots as, as did in the first few games of the season, but this offense has really gone into the tank and powers missing is, is a big reason why. I ultimately gave the spot to Miesemann because of her passing. I think that they're running a lot more of their offense through her. You can look at her like assist numbers. She's, she's shown me a lot as far as, you know, they, they put her at the top of the key and let her, you know, pass to cutters. And I guess it hasn't been super effective, but you know, I, it's, it's somewhat offset her poor shooting. Her shooting has been uncharacteristically poor. Can I, can I go through some of it here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Some, some splits last year. She was, she shot 585 from two-point range, 42% from three. This year, she is shooting uh, 478 from two and six for 24, 25% from three-point range. She's getting to the line at a career-low rate. She was 62% on two-point jump shots last season, and that is down to 42% this season. She, she shot last season 67% as a pick-and-pop jump shooter. Uh, you'll remember that she was in the 100th percentile as a pick-and-pop player last season. She was the best in the league, and her shooting is down to 32% as a pick-and-pop wow. player this year. Uh, you did mention that she is really kind of a focal point of their, their offense in terms of her distributing, but she's also nearly doubling her turnover rate from last season. So. You know, she was definitely con- like much more of a, a play finisher last year and, and things are really kind of, she's more of a hub this season. But all of those things uh, for me was kind of why I, I ruled her out and I ultimately went with Ariel Atkins. But did you have more to kind of build a case for, for me, Simon? No, not really. Um, like I said, this was, she was one of the last players I chose on my reserves. Uh, so that's fair. So you that's did not fair. think Ariel Atkins was deserving of a spot? I did not. I think that, I mean, I considered her a little bit, but I don't, I didn't think she's much of a playmaker still. Yeah. You know? Oh, she's I mean, definitely not. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of her, her numbers have were fueled by that really ridiculous season. She had, cause she was shooting better from three than from two for how long it was, it, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, she's been good this year, but yeah, you know, I, I don't think she's taken that next step that we talked about that we said that she needed to when we when we did the mystics episode remember yeah sure and she she's not the offensive player i think some people maybe think that she is right she's she's not a creator for herself she's definitely not a creator for others i do think that she's an elite play finisher right she's someone who can really spread the floor like her her three-point shooting is not amazing but i think a lot of that you know if you kind of take out some of the worst shots that she takes uh, it might be a, a little bit better but she's 
you know, 37% or so. And, and that's pretty solid. Uh, she's someone who is, in my opinion, great at maximizing the advantage that others created more so than like creating those advantages herself. But that's still, if you're doing that well offensively and you are like, I believe Ariel Atkins is like an elite defensive player, you know, that can be enough for an all-star in a shallow class. I think yeah, she's still a skill. Yeah. She, she's in my opinion, you know, one of the maybe two most versatile defensive wings in the league. I think, you know, something I, I talk about with Ariel Atkins all the time is, you know, you have the option of sticking her on your best off on the other team's best offensive wing. And she's going to be very effective, or you can put her in more of a help capacity. And she's also going to be very effective. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me in this pool of players and this pool of options, she, uh, she deserved the spot in my opinion. So, okay. but it, it sounds like, you know, there's, there's at least a couple of players. Oh, well, he had Miesemann. So I guess that was this kind of our, our swap here, but so how many, how many spots do you have remaining that we have not covered? Well, I've got four players that we haven't talked about. Okay, yeah. So, so the two players for me remaining that were kind of outside of like the final cuts where I'm, you know, so bef- before these two players or after these two players, I should say, I pretty much have two, five players for two spots. But these last two players before that are two more players from the Chicago Sky. Okay, I have more. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I'm going to get so much flack for this for being like a homer. And, and for those of you who, who know me for a while, I am not. I try to be as objective as possible. But I thought many Sky players would have a good case here, especially in the diluted Eastern Conference. So do you have Gabby Williams as an all-star? No. Okay. So <laughs> I, have, I have Kalea Copper and Allie Quigley still as all-stars. Who as, else do you have remaining? I had Ezra Stevens. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't think like Z she's had her struggles, like shooting the ball consistently as well as defending like, like as an on-ball defender, I don't think she's been that good, but her defensive playmaking has been, has been a plus. It's kind of made up for that. And just, just the ability to kind of be that spot up threat and that extra, like the sky have been a lot better defensively this year than they have in years past. They are currently third in half court defense. 12th in transition defense, by the way. Uh, oh, no. But yeah, but I think Stevens has been a big part of that just because of her length and her ability to, ability to at least recover. She does foul a lot, but um, like I think she's been a better defensive player than Stephanie Dolson, uh, at least within a scheme. So I think she does, deserves some credit from that. And she's shooting better from 50, 50% from the field. And she fits well with Courtney Vandersloot and just this fast-paced offensive system. So uh, yeah, I mean, she doesn't have the best case, but I think she has a case. Okay. Um, I did not have her on my team, but uh, again, I did have Kalea Copper and Allie Quigley. Uh, and as I was kind of going through their statistical resumes before I really kind of dove into the rest of the players, um, I thought I was going to be choosing between these two players for one spot, but I, I had a really hard time le- leaving either of them off. So they're both on this team. Kalea Copper, we, we can talk about her a little bit. You know, she sure. has been given obviously a much increased role from earlier in her career and she's more than taking advantage of it. Like her numbers are much better than, than they ever have been uh, mostly across the board over 50% from two 40% from three. She's over a hundred points higher in her true shooting in her true shooting than she was last year. And she's been a really important part of what they've done so far. Um, yeah. they, they would not be in the position they are in now without Kalea Copper. They definitely haven't. Um, Diamond Shields missing in action for the most part has been disappointing. Um, and of course, this recent injury was a real bummer, a real setback. But yeah, Kalia Copper, she's really seized this opportunity. I, I feel like 
a lot of what this guy do on offense, you know, she's, she's been able to step that step in and, and fill that void without them having to compensate for too much. Right. Cause she is another elite athlete on the wing. Um, she still gets out in transition very easily, but like you said, in the, in, from two point range, she just seems so much more comfortable, um, you know, pulling up off the dribble and canning that jumper. I think she seems a lot more comfortable spotting up as well. She's made a lot of corner three point shots, a lot more than I'm, I'm used to seeing from her. She just looks so much, I don't know, just so much more comfortable out there. I, I think yeah. that's the best word to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And taking it to the rim too. Like she's got the athleticism. She's got the speed. She's been very assertive. And, you know, I don't really have too much to say about Allie Quigley other than, you know, some of her statistical resume kind of looks pretty similar to years past. Obviously she's had some amazing um, shots in the clutch. Uh, I don't really think she's been quite the player that, that she has been in the last couple of years. I and I think maybe in a, a deeper field of players, you know, she probably wouldn't get on this roster. You could say that about a lot of players, obviously, but <laughs> it is amazing to think that if you told me before the season that I would have four Chicago Sky players named my all-star team and Diamond to Shields wouldn't be one of them, the Sky are in pretty good shape in a way, but also kind of concerning. So, um, so that brings me to 10 players, and I think you just have one more spot remaining. Did you have anything to add about Quigley? Uh, not really. Like it, It's been kind of interesting. She got off to – it feels like a slow start. She had a couple of poor shooting performances, and I, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Is she taking fewer threes than she has in the past? I feel like she is. I feel like her her uh, three-point attempt rate was not that different than it has been in years past. But Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it, it doesn't feel like she's been as impactful as a shooter as she has in years past, but, I mean, she's still Ellie Quigley from back there, um, and she has been getting it going recently with a few strong shooting performances. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think she's a pretty safe pick. So who did you have in your last spot? Okay, this was very difficult because I kind of ran out of players here. I had Julie Alamont. I think that – and she hasn't been great, I don't think, but she's been a very good three-point shooter. Is she still over 50%? She entered the game against this guy at over 50%. I'm not sure if she still is, but she's running an indie offense that has been pretty good, although with Kelsey Mitchell off the floor, it hasn't been so good. And she's she's dishing out the assists, and I think she's been better than expected defensively. Although if you look at the synergy numbers, they have not been kind. But I think she's doing just enough to kind of sneak in there at the end of this, at the end of the bench. In a normal year, absolutely not. Um, there are a few players in the East who I would have chosen before her had they not gotten injured or whatever. But she's got a decent case in, in this in this scenario. Who is your last player? Well, I have two more players actually, oh, and yeah. I had five players that I was kind of seriously considering for these two spots. Uh, Julie Alamond was one of them. Elizabeth Williams was one of them. Williams is having a, a very efficient offensive season, at least in, before today's game uh, in their win against Minnesota. You know, defensively, I don't think it's been all that good for Williams this season. Uh, I did consider Bree Jones, definitely a candidate for, for most improved player as well. Probably not the case that some of the other players we talked about before uh, had but ultimately the last two spots I went with Leisure Clarendon and Kennedy Carter Interesting. Um, so I'll start with Carter because this is one that I think you probably would have had if she had played more oh, yeah. um, she's played eight out of the now 14 games for them uh, and again in a tougher field that probably wouldn't be as much uh, as like as solid of a, of a case like 
spoiler alert, I, I didn't put Sylvia Falls, who's played seven games on my Western team. I didn't put Sue Bird, who I think has also played seven games. But those two players have tougher competition, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, giving a two or now three and 11 team two all-stars, like, does feel kind of gross. But I think Carter has been that good. And, you know, she was uh, a game-time decision today. She didn't end up playing, but it seems like she's going to be on her way back. You know, it's not like some of these other players that, that we're not really considering, like Powers, who is, like, her her statistical case is done. Like, Kennedy Carter, I think, when it's all said and done, will have deserved to be an all-star. Her playmaking has been much more than I anticipated, having only kind of known about her game through what others had said about her in college. You know, she can legit get by pretty much any defender that's guarding her, get all the way to the rim, finish oversize. So, you know, I think at the end of the season, it will have been deserved that Kennedy Carter should be on this team if she comes back to the court sooner rather than later. And it seems like that's pretty likely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if she was, if she had not missed so many games, I definitely would have had her. In fact, probably ahead of a lot of these other players. The dream are just so much better when she's on the court. And it's not difficult to see why just because of her ability to get into the paint and her ability to create for other players. It's interesting that you mentioned Elizabeth Williams because I think I, I feel like Elizabeth Williams offensive production is tied almost directly to the playmaking of a solid lead guard. Earlier when I looked at her uh, synergy splits, she was like 95th percentile in pick and roll finishing. Since then that's dropped down to like 80th percentile. And it's so obvious why, right? I mean, Blake Dietrich and, and Courtney Williams aren't getting her the ball like Kennedy Carter was. And that's just going to change again when Kennedy Carter comes back. So yeah, very, very, very good explanation there. So Clarendon was my last pick. Uh, the Newark Liberty have a negative 10.7 net rating with Lasia Clarendon on the court and a negative 35 net rating <laughs> with Lasia Clarendon on the bench. So that is a difference of 24.3. And a lot of that comes on the defensive end. And normally I wouldn't attribute too much of kind of that defensive difference in the point guard position. But I think in this case, it, it's a little more fair, uh, like more fairly representative than than normally because the Liberty just ha- don't have anything else in terms of point guard defense. And the offense is awful when they are not on the floor as well. Individually, Clarendon has been a very efficient player in the Liberty go from kind of like regular terrible to all-time terrible whenever <laughs> they sit. You know, they are shooting a little bit, uh, they're, they're shooting the three more, but, but not a ton. But 63% of their shots are coming from within five feet. And mm. they continue to get to the line very effectively. So, you know, this team probably doesn't deserve an all-star. But with the rest of the players that, that are kind of in consideration, I thought Leisure Clarendon had just been better than everybody else. Okay. I mean, I, I was not about to give a 1-11 team an all-star. but Totally fair. You, yeah, you made a good case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... So my 12, to go through quickly, uh, Vandersloot, Mitchell, Bonner, Heinz Allen, Cheyenne Parker, Alyssa Thomas, Kalea Copper, Allie Quigley, but Nigel Laney, Ariel Atkins, Kennedy Carter, Lasia Clarendon. Okay, mine were Courtney Vandersloot, Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, Maisha Heinz Allen, but Nigel Laney, Cheyenne Parker, Kelsey Mitchell, Azure Stevens, Allie Quigley, Kalea Copper, Emma Mieseman and Julie Allman. And yes, I'm a Chicago Sky fan. Uh, Stephen, one thing I wanted to ask you before we move on to the West. What, what is this about Bree Jones? Just explain to the audience. You, you did not like Bree Jones before, but you had her as a borderline all-star this year. I mean, she's been good. Like she has raised her two-point field goal percentage by 90 points from last season. She has a 
the highest on off differential on the Connecticut sun. And she is a starter. So that, that I think it does kind of speak to, you know, the rest of the roster and, and their backup center situation. You know, she does have 26 turnovers and 15 assists, but she also has 26 blocks and steals combined. She's in the 90th percentile on post-ups. And I think she's done a really good job at getting some good position down there at times. She has uh, seven transition possessions. So she's, she's not at all a threat in the open floor, obviously. Um, and defensively, like she's good at what she's good at. And, you know, she doesn't have the most versatile defensive game, but she's, she's been a legitimately solid contributor. Uh, you know, she's better than, at least in my opinion, you know, maybe not as, as well fitting to a lot of rosters, but when you look at a player who gets a ton of like praise and, and Amanda Zowie B, like she's been a more effective player than Zowie B has. I agree. So, you know, Bree Jones is definitely a player who I have very been been very vocally critical of, but she's been a legitimate contributor, I would say. Okay. We'll see if she can keep that up because I know Kurt Miller has been, uh, he's been giving Teresa Plaisance and Beatrice Montpomier more minutes, but yeah, Bree Jones has been good. She's, uh, I feel like she does have her obvious limits, but she's playing very well to her strengths right now, which is about as much as you can ask. Sure. So let, let's move on to the West where the talent pool was, uh, let's say a little bit deeper. <laughs> Shallow end versus deep end, right? Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, uh, for the starters, I had, okay, so this is weird. Cause like if we're doing two guards, three front court players, I mean, I had two no brainers, right? They're the two leading MVP candidates right now, Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, correct? Sure. And I had them as kind of like my no brainers as well, but I also had five, total players in this and none of them were really guards uh so i had brianna stewart and asia wilson as you said mm-hmm. uh angel mccautry who continues to uh make me look very foolish in, in ha- having my doubts about her um you know she's offensively you know having a career year by pretty much every metric like 57 percent on twos at least as of like going into the games yesterday she's about 100 points over her career average in true shooting still you know, despite Vegas as a team getting to the line a ton, like she's doing this efficiency, like having this career efficiency without really getting there that much herself. And she also has a career low in turnover percentage. And I think Vegas is really putting her in a position to succeed in, in at least in the half court, you know, really being a play finisher and, and not overburdening her too much with, with offensive creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other two players I had as you know, no brain, no brainer picks were Neka Agumake and Candice Parker. And those two players will, you know, officially come off the bench for this all-star team. Oh, the call off the bench for the all-star. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. I, I wanted to put Angel in the starting lineup. I think she's been like a top, top six or top seven player this year. However, I don't consider her to be a guard. And I was, I was trying to follow our rules here. So. Uh, oh yeah, sure. So, yeah. I mean, well, you have three forward spots. So who was your last forward spot? Uh, I had Nafisa Collier. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I had Nafisa Collier. I think she's been just dynamite ever since Sylvia Fowles went down. Even better than she was last year. I mean, my God, is there anything that she can't do? Like, if if I was to, if I was to, like, build a basketball player from scratch, there would be so much I'd be taking from Nafisa Collier. Just her patience, her her poise, her versatility on both ends of the court, her basketball IQ, it's, it's a complete package. And like I said, she's really stepped up since the Lynx – lost fouls and we assume that's gonna be for the long term um i just can't wait to see what she does for the rest of the season because I, I think with the increase in volume i mean she's gonna be maybe maybe a top 10 player in this league i don't know where would you put her 
yeah, she was definitely, you know, in my next tier down in terms of like being like a near lock on this team. Did want to, you know, kind of double check her statistical case, but she's been more efficient than, than last year. She is almost like never shooting threes anymore. And she's been their best player. And, you know, outside of a hiccup kind of loss today, as we're recording this, she's been their, their best player and they really haven't missed a beat without fouls. Yeah. Um, so she's, she's been awesome defensively. She, she's still been great. Uh, I really kind of have to go through it a little bit more in terms of like um, saying that she's been a top 10 player this season, not saying that, that she hasn't, or she has, uh, I just, I'm not really sure at this point, but you know, she definitely deserves to to be on any kind of hypothetical all-star team. And she's been amazing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing I forgot to say when you, when you talked about Angel McCautry and them not overtaxing her, she's playing 21 minutes a game. Um, wow. That's, Okay, I, I have not been a Bill Lambeer fan in the past, but I have to give him credit here. That's that's pretty sharp, I think, considering this this strenuous schedule and her coming off the knee injury and what have you. Uh, it's pretty crazy to know that she's had this much of an impact and in, in not so much not so many minutes, right? But yeah, Angel has been absolutely amazing. Uh, who did you, who else did you have for your your starters? So the starters, um, in terms of like the guards, they were the players that you know, even starters or bench, like I just kind of had a hard time deciding who to go with here. But ultimately I went with, uh, for the guards, Bria Hartley and Arike Agumbawale. Okay. I also had Arike, um, but I had Jewel Lloyd starting. Interesting. Okay. I did not have Jewel Lloyd on my team, but she was kind of my last player off the team. Okay. Well, I didn't have Bria Hartley on my team. So, uh, Interesting. Okay. Why, why did you go with Hartley? Well, she has been, you know, Phoenix has been okay this year and, I really kind of looked at all pretty much all of Phoenix's like legitimate options as mm-hmm. all-star consideration and Hartley, you know, she's, she's been better than Skylar Diggins Smith and Diana Trossi. Like she, she just has like Skylar Diggins Smith is having a, a pretty, pretty good, like individual statistical season over 50% from two over 57% from two, excuse me, you know, 40% from three on 60 attempts, but they just get killed whenever she's on the floor, negative 24.1 differential. Like they are, 24 points per 100 possessions worse with Skylar Diggins Smith on the court than they are with her uh, off the court. You know, defensively, she's been really bad. They are six and a half points better offensively and 17 and a half points better defensively when she's on the bench. So that's that's crazy. It's it's insane. You know, I I think that you know you mentioned her defensively. You know, on the ball, I think she actually is okay and she tries hard. But when she's not on the ball, it's a complete disaster, in, in my opinion. And Tarasi, you know, her her numbers look pretty good, right? 602 true shooting percentage, uh, despite shooting under 40% from the floor. And that's largely buoyed by a 532 free throw attempt rate. She's really leveraging foul seeking behavior very effectively. And she's taking about two thirds of her shot from behind the arc. So Tarasi has taken 59 free throws to 39 two-point field goals. <laughs> um, so, and, and the reason I'm kind of, bringing up Skylar Diggins-Smith and Tarasi, who didn't make my team, is because, you know, I was kind of juxtaposing them with Bria Hartley as, as I sort of figured this all out. And really any combination of these two players or any two players, like any two-player combination of these three players just hasn't been working. Like DT, Skylar Diggins-Smith isn't working. DT, Hartley isn't working. Skylar Diggins-Smith, Bria Hartley isn't working. You know, their only real combination of players that that do work is when Brittany Griner, Sophie Cunningham, and Alana Smith play together. But Bria Hartley has been the best of all those guards. You know, a career high in true shooting percentage, 
a career high in usage, assist percentage, steal percentage, a career low in turnovers. She's in the 74th percentile in pick and rolls while being sixth in total possessions coming into today, 72nd percentile in uh, jump shots off the dribble, you know, probably not sustainable, but their offense just looks a lot better when she's in the game. And there's probably going to be some, some regression. Oh, one other thing I want to say about Tarasi in terms of why I left her off this team. She's probably been the worst defensive player in basketball this year. Like, is, is that arguable? I mean, she hasn't been a good defender for a very, very long time, but this year she's been atrocious. So I don't have a problem with it. I mean, there's, there's regular bad. And then there's like actively not trying bad. Yeah. That Skylar, Skylar Tarazi backcourt is just so, so hard to make up for on defense. It's, it's a major reason why they, why they've been struggling. Like you can't, you, you, you can't skirt, skirt around that. Sure. So um, did you want to talk about Jewel Lloyd a little bit? Yeah, I, I think obviously uh, last, last night's game against the Las Vegas Aces left kind of a sour taste in my mouth, but I made this decision before that game. So I feel like with Jewel Lloyd back, we've talked about this before. She's kind of settled into that second or third option and she's just been so much more efficient. Um, her shot selection has been a lot better. I feel like uh, she's just slowed down a lot and not, not feel like she has to create too much for herself off the dribbles. She's, got career highs in her scoring efficiency i believe career high in true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage so just just a lot more crisper with the basketball and her decision making i would still like to see her get to the free throw line a little bit more but i don't know i i think she's had one of the best starts to her career that she said i i, I think i would have given the spot to sue bird though if sue wasn't had, had missed so many games sure yeah i think that's fair and mm-hmm. lloyd at least from from an on-off standpoint, like she's kind of like very clearly their fifth best starter, just in terms of the, the impact metrics. You know, a lot of that I think is because Sue Bird is out and she's maybe doing a little bit, kind of thrust into a point guard role a little bit too much with the second unit. So I, I don't really think that's all on her fault. You know, she is for sure, uh, as I was saying with Ariel Atkins, like an elite play finisher. When she's put in good situations, sure, um, she she's going to make the most of it. But in terms of the starting, the other starting spot. So, so you had Jewel Lloyd and who else in, in as a guard? I had Arika Gunbowale. Oh, okay. Um, she had a pretty poor start shooting the basketball, but I mean, we saw that last year. Like she's going to pick it up, and she did pick it up. I don't see how you could leave like one of the leading scorers in the WNBA off the team. It's not like she's been absolutely atrocious from the field. Her efficiency has picked up a little bit, and just just the ability to, to get to the rim and and make plays for others. I mean. The wings have taken. I, I don't feel like their op, their offense has been as fun to watch as I expected because she is still shooting the ball so much. But you know, I mean, you got to give credit where it's due. She's still been a very effective player off the dribble and from three point range. So, yeah, yeah. I to be honest, going into this, I definitely would not have expected Arike Agumbawale to be one of my all star starters. And you know, to be completely honest with you, she was probably like the eighth player that I picked on this team. But you start. Guards and so forwards, forwards, right? right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, they are a positive 0.3 points per 100 possessions with Arike on the court, negative 25.3 with her off the yeah. court. So she does have one of the higher on-off differentials in the league. And offensively, they, you know, like we were saying about Kelsey Mitchell, they just fall off a cliff when she's not out there, right? And even though yeah. she's, she's not a particularly efficient player in her own offense, you know, a 519 true shooting on... 30% usage, you know, she averages 20 field goal attempts per 36 minutes, which effectively lead the WNBA. 
you know, it's, I think it's largely her inefficiency. I think it's largely driven by her off the dribble threes, right? She's, she's in the 88th percentile off screens. She's 79th percentile catch and shoot. So she can shoot three point jump shots, you know, in the right situation, but she is one for 14 on pull-up jumpers from behind the arc. So that is not a part of her game at this point. She's overall 48% from two, which is pretty good for a guard. 72% around the rim only gets there about 17% of the time would love, love, love to see that number get to about 25 or even higher percent of her possessions. Uh, And of course she's in the 100 percentile in isolation on the most possessions in the league. So where do you want to start with the bench? Um, Well, actually let let me ask, did you have both uh, sparks forwards on the all-star team? Oh, of course. Okay. I had Candace Parker as a lock. Actually, I, I did not have Neka Ogumike as a lock, but in hindsight, I probably should have. Um, I feel like her volume's been down and she missed a, a game, but uh, she's still over the 90th percentile in both offense and defense. Um, you, you can't leave her off, can you? No, you can't. Um, and she's, she's a starter for you, right? She she was not a starter for me, but oh, she okay, was one okay. of like my my five kind of no-brainer picks. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And she has been her usual awesome efficient self. Uh, I found it interesting, you know, she's never been a huge blocks player, but at least when I did this uh, yesterday, she had zero blocks on a season so far, which seems almost hard to do her. She's also had the lowest usage rate of her career. Her, her steal rate is way down. So I don't think it's been quite the Neko Gumake that, that we're used to seeing, but she's been awesome still. And Candace Parker, like putting together a legit defensive player of the year campaign, in my opinion, you know, her, her efficiency is like fine. I think it was a 536 true shooting percentage as I was just, as I was putting this together yesterday, she is, you know, a career high in turnover percentage, but she's having an absolute monster season on, on the defensive glass. What, what did you want to add about Parker? She's healthy. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's not much I can't, I can't add that hasn't already been said. Uh, she's really proving that what held her back last season was not age. It was health. She's still doing so much. The, the, the work on the defensive glass that you mentioned has been particularly impressive. Like she does look very spry. She's moving great. Um, she's making the plays in transition, which we all love to see, you know, Parker bringing the ball up and, and dishing it out to an open Sydney Weiss or an open Chelsea Gray from the corner for three, or just these, or like, or like Neko is like a trailer, you know, losing the defense in transition. So she's been great. I, could be, you know, third or fourth in the MVP race right now. I think, I don't think that that's too wild. To say. No. And, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the transition because it feels like she is a, a huge part of their transition game, especially with her rebounding, her, her for forcing turnovers, you know, the blocks and steals that, that she creates. When she's like very, very involved in, in transition though, she's in the fourth percentile in her own offense in transition and really? 11th percentile, including passing. And a lot of that uh, stems from having a 30 or she turns it over 30% of the time in transition. So that's the third highest in the league behind only Natasha Howard and Leilani Mitchell. So if those turnovers are, are able to come down even just a little bit, you know, she's going to be even better, but she has been awesome. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. Um, all right. Who else did you have for reserves? The one player that we haven't talked about that was essentially a lock for me in the same kind of tier as Nafisa, Nafisa Collier. And, you know, she, to me, was ahead of any guard that I had, uh, Alicia Clark. Yes, yes. Want to tell the listeners why we love Alicia Clark? Well, she doesn't have a huge offensive role if you're just looking at some of the traditional stats, right? She's only at like 13% of usage rate or whatever, but 
She is in the 99th percentile overall as an offensive player behind just Courtney Vandersloot and Sue Bird. Uh, this was before their loss yesterday, so it, it might be down a little bit by now, but a career high in assist percentage, a career low in turnover rate. She is a very good passer in the pick and roll, uh, a very willing passer when she's out on the perimeter. You know, she hits those pocket passes in the pick and roll so well, in my opinion. You know, uh, this is a point I've made before, but when she's open, like in the corner or above the break, like I feel like she's just so much more willing to just like throw one more pass than your average three and D quote unquote player is. And, and that really, you know, fuels what Seattle does in a lot of ways. Uh, individually, 631 true shooting percentage driven largely by 42% on three-pointers and 63% of her shots coming from behind the arc. Uh, but she's also in the 100 percentile as a post-up player. So it's very limited volume, but if you put a small player that doesn't belong on Alicia Clark on her, you know, she's going to put you in the weight room, right? She, she's going to put you in the goal. Uh, and of course, being deserving of an all-defensive team this season. It's like, it's a basketball IQ for me. I think she's got the highest basketball IQ in the league or, or very close to it. Um, she just makes these incredibly crisp decisions with the basketball. Like you said, she makes that extra pass. She's not just a, a catch and shoot player. She's willing to, to swing the ball or go into the post or, you know, hit the, hit the trailer three, hit the corner three. Like she just does literally everything you want from her offensively and defensively. Like she's constantly giving up size to all these players she's defending, but she's still making them work like crazy. She's still an elite defender. Um, Every team needs an Alicia Clark. Like I would love to have Alicia Clark on my team, no matter what it looks like, because she can do anything for you. And as you said before, she's added the, the pick and roll playmaking to her game this year, which is, I mean, granted playing with Brianna Stewart, like, I, I could run a pick and roll with Brianna Stewart, but you know, like Alicia Clark, she's just been fantastic. And I, I feel like, is it, is it fair to say like she's still underrated if we call her underrated every season? Like by definition, that might not be. I mean, I feel like she's, to... she's the player that we all point to when someone says who's the most underrated player, you know? Um, exactly. So she's maybe not underrated, underrated, but she still doesn't make like make all these all-star teams and all WNBA teams. And at some point you got to say like, Hey, when does volume take a backseat to literally everything else, right? Yeah, sure. And one other thing I want to bring up on Clark, they have, you know, uh, she, there's the 17.8 point differential, uh, you know, positive point differential. And interestingly enough, that it's the offense that really falls off a cliff when Alicia Clark sits, you know, the defense, mm -hmm. uh, one of the best defenses I've seen in the, in the WNBA, at least, you know, before they kind of got destroyed yesterday, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but their offense goes from 111.3 points per 100 possessions with Clark on the court to 93.3 as the defense is pretty steady. So, you know, what, what she brings, I think, is a little hard to quantify offensively and defensively, but she's 100% deserving of her first all-star appearance, in my opinion. Yeah, shame she won't actually get it because there is no all-star game this year. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I also had, I mean, I had Angel McCarthy coming off my bench, but just because I don't think she's a guard. If she was a guard, she'd totally be a starter. She's been amazing. Um, I also had Neko Gumake. For the Phoenix player, I had to go with Skylar Diggins, but like she had a very weak case for reasons you already outlined. I also considered Tarazi and Hartley and Brittany Griner. I think it was the individual play that did it for me for Skylar Diggins Smith. But yeah, like you said, the defense is so bad when she's on the court. It's and it's not like she's been like some wizard off the dribble, like creating for others too, right? So I might have to rethink that one. So I uh I also did have Brittany Griner as an all-star. It sounds like you did not. 
No, I did not. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had Griner, you know, she, her statistically, I feel like she's not having a Brittany Griner season, you know, a career low in true shooting percentage. She's a very, very disappointing 52nd percentile as a pick and roll player and 25th percentile on rolls to the basket. So even her kind of middling pick and roll efficiency is being buoyed by some hot pick and pop shooting, you know, not exactly what you would expect from, from Brittany Griner, but you know, this team is a pretty good team with her on the floor and a complete disaster when she sits. Right. So mm-hmm. she, she gets a ton of volume, you know, she's putting up a, a decent statistical campaign, you know, Sylvia Falls has been better, right? If Sylvia Falls played more, she would definitely be in the spot over Brittany Griner, but I did have to go with her. Absolutely. Now, I wonder, you, you said that they're a disaster with her off the court. Um, she is no longer in the bubble for personal reasons. We hope everything is okay with PG, but uh, going to be interesting to see what happens with, with the Mercury moving forward because last game without her, they ran with a three-guard lineup that you said was disastrous um, and a like a two-center, like they played Kievon and Brianna Turner together. So I don't know. I'm not high on the Mercury moving forward. So maybe yeah, that is the case. I would say it won't be interesting because they're going to be really bad. <laughs> um, well, I'm a Sky fan and the Sky have the Mercury's pick, so I love it. But as we said, you know, seriously, we hope BG's all right and everything's okay. Who else did you have for reserves? So I think I have two remaining players left that we did not talk about. Um, how many do you have left? Two. Okay, okay. so we're on the right page. Cool. So one of these for me was a little bit easier than the other one. I have, uh, I have a guard and a forward. Do you also have a guard and a forward left? I do. Who do you have as a guard? I have Crystal Dangerfield. Ah, I have Crystal Dangerfield. Oh, oh, okay, cool. We agree on something. Why did you have Crystal Dangerfield? She's been awesome, right? She's, um, you know, this could also be said for Nafisa Collier, but this team absolutely cannot score with Dangerfield on the bench. She is in the 80th percentile in the pick and roll. Not as effective off ball, you know, only 52nd percentile as a spot up player, but I think still good enough to kind of be respected out there. 599 true shooting coming into today's game. She is shooting 61% around the rim on almost a quarter of her shots for a rookie 5 5 guard. She has been very impressive. Um, and this was a while ago now, but it was really kind of solidified in, in that, not solidified, but it was really exemplified, I guess in that opening day game against Connecticut where, you know, they, they just couldn't really run an offense without her. Right. And, you know, maybe things will look a little bit different now that Odyssey Sims is back. You know, she hasn't been very good, but you know, she, she's still making her way in there, but Dangerfield has also been very effective in the mid range game. She, she brings it defensively while also like being in a position to succeed right in this Minnesota Uh system, but she, she's been great. She has been, even better than I expected. And I think I was expecting pretty high things from her relative to everybody else. Um, like she was drafted at number 16. I thought she should have gone in the first round, but um, like, I think you had her in the middle of the first round. If I'm not I actually, okay. So I actually had her going number six to the Minnesota Lynx. Okay. Um, they picked Herbert Harrigan and then somehow still got her at number 16. Like Cheryl Reeve must be laughing all the way to the bank right now, but I digress. Um, like she just came into a spot where a point guard was sorely needed and she, stole that spot from everyone else who was competing, right? Lexi Brown, not really a point guard. You said Odyssey Sims has kind of been coming back, but she's been kind of slow coming back, uh, which is understandable. Um, Shanice Johnson, not really a point guard and got injured, but Dangerfield really, really solidified that starting lineup as a point guard, as a rookie coming in, playing 29 minutes a game. She's just been so efficient. So, I mean, maybe the assist to turnover ratio isn't great, but 
I mean, come on. She's, she's, the Lynx have been so much better with her on the court. What are the on-off splits for her? Did you mention that? I'm sorry. I didn't have them, but they're, they're very favorable for Dangerfield. I would expect so. So, like, yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the, the, the team with her on and off the court. And individually, she's been pretty good as well. She's been pretty efficient out there. So, yeah, I mean, rookie of the year, or rookie of the year material, I would say, if Kennedy Carter doesn't come back. When she does, eh, I think it could be close. But just the fact that we're talking about Dangerfield as rookie of the year right now is case enough for her to be on this hypothetical. I mean, she'll definitely make the all rookie team. There's no doubt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I had quite a few players that I considered for my last spot and I will go through them quickly. Sylvia Files and Sewell Bird, who probably both would have made it if they Mm -hmm. had played more. I uh, briefly considered Lexi Brown. Uh, I mentioned Jewel Lloyd, who you had as a starter, Alicia Gray and Chelsea Gray, Kayla McBride. Quana Williams, and ultimately I settled on Derricka Hamby. As did I. Uh, she's just better than those other players, right? Yeah. She, she's just a better player. She's having a better statistical season, despite you know being a much lower like usage player than than any of these other players. But she plays well within her role. She's she's a really good two way player. She runs the floor hard, gives you a lot of versatility defensively. Was she? Like, I guess, like, the 12th player on your roster? Because she kind of was for me. No, no. Skylar Diggins-Smith was the 12th player. Oh, okay. Hamby yeah, was actually sense. a lock for me. Um, because, I mean, the Ace is just a better team with her on the floor. And this, again, goes back to efficiency over volume. Effectiveness when the team – or, like, on-off splits versus volume. No, she's not going to take 20 shots a game, but she's so freaking good at what she does. And she's a much better fit next to Asia Wilson than Carolyn Swords is. Of course, he doesn't do that, but – that's a different argument. She just I mean, fits interestingly the enough, the Asia Wilson, Carolyn Swords combination, at least in terms of the statistical resume, has been more effective than the Wilson Hamby lineup. But that's interesting because last year I think it was the opposite. Yeah, and I would expect it to be the opposite against most good teams, right? Like, a lot like the sample size, like like Hamby is still playing a lot more than Swords is. So I don't know. I don't know why that is. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I wouldn't look too much into it. Like. Swords has spent more time on the bench than she has on the court, and you're, that's not the same for Tierra Hamby, but please continue. No, 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 you're good. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy stats being brought up like that. Um, I mean, yeah, but that's pretty much all I have to say, actually, but that you haven't already said, of course. Like, she's just been so efficient and great fit with what they want to do. Um, she continues to outwork everyone else and out-hustle everyone else. I don't want to say hustle is a skill, but it kind of is, so... Yeah, she's she's earned it. And she's a another big part of the reason why the Aces have been so good. Any uh any players that did not make the team you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I mean I considered Griner and Tarazi, but you know, I, I think I already made the case against Griner and Tarazi. You talked about plenty. Um I also considered Chelsea Gray, but uh, I, I feel like she just hasn't been as good as, as she needs to be. Yeah. Which is weird because the sparks are like really good still but like I haven't been impressed with her shot selection or her shot efficiency this year um Raquanda Williams I actually thought had a pretty decent case because she's just been such a good spot up shooter for them it's she really brings that extra element of you know really knock down outside shooting she's really important for what they do particularly in transition you know yeah and then I actually had Sammy Whitcomb was an also consideration oh interesting I yeah, probably should have considered her more yeah because I think They've been doing a lot with her, a lot more with her at point guard than in seasons past. I believe probably because Sue Bird is, you know, starting to be on her way out. And she's just been so efficient from the field. Of course, Ace's game thrown out because she was a non-factor there. But, 
I think she's been a, a huge part of what their bench has been able to do because their bench has been really good. But I mean, I don't think the volume has been there to be a an all star player. But those are my also concerns. Yeah, that's uh, a good list. Did you have don't, any? Uh, well, I ran through them quickly. I guess on, on Chelsea Gray, I'll quickly just touch on her because she's you know for sure like the best player that that we didn't select right. Um, uh, four seventy five true shooting percentage for her so far, by far a career low. She's six for twenty nine on three pointers. You know that three point shot has always kind of looked awful, but it used to go in a little bit higher than it has now. You know she has started getting to the free throw line a little bit better than last year, but still well below kind of where she was at like the peak of her powers a few years ago. You know, from a statistical standpoint, at least per synergy, you know, she still is 66th percentile as an offensive player when you include her passing. You know, they do fall off a cliff offensively when she sits. You know, they do get a lot better defense, defensively, uh, of course. But yeah, she, she just needs to score more efficiently, right? She I, just hasn't been the player that she needs to be. I just feel like she hasn't been that, that impactful. Yeah. You I know, I mean, the on-off stats would disagree with me, but I don't know, man. It's, I'm just not used to seeing this from Chelsea Gray. Yeah. Alicia Gray is having a really good season. You know, we don't have to touch on her too much. She, she's probably not quite the player as some of these other players here, but she's really good, and she, she deserves some love. Kayla McBride, career high in, on two-pointers, career low on three-pointers. Uh, you know, she's a part of why they're good defensively, but if I'm being honest, like probably not as impactful as, as Asia Wilson, as Angel McCautry, as – Erica Hamby and you know maybe even D-Rob defensively speaking mm-hmm. obviously she she brings a lot more offensively uh, in terms of her floor spacing but uh so my 12 ended up being Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Angel McCautry, Crystal Dangerfield, Arike Agumbawale, Candace Parker, Neko Gumake, Alicia Clark, Nafisa Collier, uh I'm sorry it was Bria Hartley in the starting lineup not Crystal Dangerfield uh so Bria Hartley and Derica Hamby. All right, I had Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Nafisa Collier, Arike Agunbawale, and Jewel Lloyd as my starters. And Alicia Clark, Candace Parker, Angel McCautry, Crystal Dangerfield, Yerka Hamby, Skylar Diggins Smith, and Neko Gumake as my deserve or reserves, sorry. Uh, and I also had a special section um, for players that probably would have made the team if not for injuries. Kennedy Carter, we talked about Sue Bird. Um, I mean, she's still Sue Bird. She this the Stormer still much better offensively, especially I think you've seen it for the past couple games where they've they're actually on a losing streak. Seattle is on a losing streak. Sound the alarms. Uh, Sue just brings that calming presence. She's still a very, very good point guard, uh, particularly for her floor spacing, and she's taking care of the basketball. Sylvia Fowles, who probably – here's a question for you, Stephen. If Sylvia Fowles was still healthy and playing at the level that she was, would she be a starter for you out west? Uh, probably over – you know, I'd probably kind of cheat and have Stuart Wilson and Fowles as the, the three – forwards and okay. have McCautry coming off the bench. Gotcha. Okay. I, I would too. Just, just checking. Um, and then for the East, uh, Sabrina Unescu, I think would have made the all-star team if she was healthy, just because like we talked about like who in the East is, is really deserving this all-star nod and aerial powers as well. Um, is there anything else you would like to kind of discuss for this hypothetical all-star exercise? Uh, I don't think so. It was fun putting it together. It's a bummer that they don't name these teams, even if they're not going to play the game. Yeah. To me, like the, the recognition is the far more important part. Like everyone knows the game is just a show, but I don't know. I, I, I like to, to do these exercises just because, um, okay. So like I said, we're a little past the halfway point. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening to us 
talk back and forth about players deserving, players not deserving. If uh, We'd love to know your thoughts if you made it through this far. So hit us up at Double Down WNBA on Twitter or individually at Trinkwald or at Nemchuk E. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on the Google Play. We are on Spotify. So whichever of those is your preferred listening platform, be sure to hit us up. Give us a review. Give us a five-star rating if you deem us so worthy. Stephen, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, nope. This was fun. Uh, next week, we'll be doing something a little bit different and um, maybe uh, a little outdated also in terms of when <laughs> we recorded it, but uh, I hope people will enjoy it. I think they will. It'll still be pertinent. It'll, it'll, it'll still be relevant. Um, okay. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, as always, Eric Nemchak for Stephen Trinkwald. This is a Double Down WNBA podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time.